My name is Julie Turney, and this is HR Sound Off, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent HR topics. But ultimately, we will be settling some of the many misconceptions that people have about the human resources profession. Some weeks you will hear from my guests, and other times it will be just you and me in the sound booth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. So today we're talking about employee engagement and what that means in organizations. Here to have this conversation with me today is the amazing Deborah Corey. I met Deborah on LinkedIn as I meet most of my contacts and I also read her book which she co-wrote with Glenn Elliott. The book is called Build It, the Rebel Playbook for World-Class Employee Engagement. And if you're following me on Instagram, this book is in my book club Instagram story. So go check it out. You can purchase it on Amazon. It is four and a half stars. I don't know why it's not five, but I'm sure that with all of you reading it, it's going to get there. So here with me today, ladies and gentlemen, I welcome Deborah Corey. Deborah, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, thank you so much. It's funny you say about the stars because um, I'm I'm new to you know writing and being in the spotlight and stuff. And um, we uh, we got our first troll on Amazon. I didn't even know what the word troll meant. Wow! And my co-author, who like really did not give us good ratings at all, and my my co-author said, actually, that's the biggest compliment in the world when you have a, have a troll. So for anybody out there, if you ever have anybody on LinkedIn troll you take it as a compliment because that means that they think you're important enough to troll. There you go. That's right. Thank you so much for that tip. I will remember that when I encounter my first troll. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So there's so many things that I love about it. Like, where do I even begin? (laughs) The fact that you have taken the time to do all of these case studies and not just talk about stuff in theory, but also give us what it looks and feels like in practice I think is an amazing thing because many books that you read now, nowadays, it's just all about the theory or it's, it's some one person's experience. But this book is case study after case study of how companies have put employee engagement into practice. But before we get into your book, what I'm going to ask you to do for me is just tell me a little bit about your journey, Deborah. Who is Deborah Corey and how did you get here? You know, it's funny, I, I literally this last week did a um, session with a, a group of employees and I, I did it over Zoom because we're all in lockdown. Yeah. And they asked me to start out with what is my journey. So I'm, I'm prepared. Yeah. And, uh, the, I know, who knew? Um, and the way that I described it was, because um, this was a bunch of just, you know, not HR people, just regular employees. And um, I described it in three phases because I have been working for over 20 years. So I could put you to sleep if I described my entire career. But um, I described it as my first um, phase was my lemons, which was that suck it up and learning phase. And I worked in lots of different companies, different sizes, different industries. Then my second phase, I I call my lemonade phase, which um, I'm sure we've all had. We're actually, we're all in the middle of it right now. We're life hands you lemons. Absolutely. absolutely. Try to figure out what to do with those lemons. Yes. Um, Yes. And that's actually when I started writing. So I actually wrote a book before the Rebel Playbook. Okay. Um, And I wrote a book on communications. 
So that's my lemonade phase where I, I started trying to figure out, okay, what can I do a little bit differently? And then my final, the fate, well, I don't know if it's my final, I might have a fourth phase, but my third phase that I'm in right now, I'm calling my red cape phase. Ah. And that is my rebel phase. So um, I am new to being a rebel, but <laughs> to me, I think that's actually good because it gives people hope because yeah. I started out very traditional and now what I'm doing, I've actually just written my third book too. Yes, um, and yes. everything that I do in writing and speaking and whatever is I try to put my red cape on mm-hmm. and I try to look at things a little bit differently and to try to question and challenge um, basically all the things that I've done throughout my entire career, yeah. which um, it works out fine because I don't find, I don't think people find it insulting because I'm, I'm challenging myself as well. So it's not like I'm just challenging one person. I'm challenging what they're doing and also what I've done for 20 years. So in a nutshell, those are my three phases. Oh, that's wonderful. And I love how you um, actually described your phases. And this is your now phase. You don't know what the future is going to bring. So that's, yeah. that's really cool. Um, it's funny that you say that you're new to being a rebel. Um, I, I think I've always been a rebel, especially... <laughs> especially when it comes to um, how I practice HR and how I think that things should be done. And that's mm-hmm. going to lend into part of um, our conversation and, and part of our discussion with your book. So in terms of being a rebel, I think a lot of people associate that word just like how they dis- they associate disrupt HR with. Why would you call it disrupt HR? Why would you call this book a rebel playbook? But the, the truth is that there's positive rebellion and there's positive disruption and, and that people need to understand the difference. So we're not talking about being a bad rebel, like a rebel without a cause. This is a rebellion that has a cause that's going to shift the way that organizations look and feel and engage employee engagement. Am I correct? Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I've done a talk before, which it, I've titled Rebel with a Cause, because mm-hmm. I truly believe that being... Um, a rebel is being a strategic rebel and it, because it always starts with the why. So you don't just, and I think that, you know, I was a rebel before, but I wasn't necessarily a strategic rebel. So it's always about doing the things that you think are truly going to make a difference and truly going to make an impact. And um, I'm just getting ready to post this. I had a conversation with my mom today, actually. And um, I was, she's 85 years old and I was asking her, you know, how are you handling the whole lockdown? She she lives in America. I live in England. So I, right. it's not like I can do anything do to help anything. her. Yeah. And I, and I asked her, what's the one thing that you miss the most? And she said, going to the supermarket and shopping. So the rebel in me took a step back. And instead of just saying, oh, okay, you know, you miss that. I said, well, what is it that you miss about it? And she said, I love walking up and down the aisles. I love being able to see what's out there. So. I took that idea and I said, well, why don't you go online? Just, you know, go up and down the aisles online and do some web shopping and, you know, and then do that because her, her neighbors are shopping for her because she really shouldn't be going out at 85. Right. Um, so I do think that that's what Rebel is about is taking what are you really trying to do mm-hmm. and trying to shift your thinking and, and doing it in a different way. Yes, yes, absolutely. So tell us about your book. Build it. The Rebel Playbook for World-Class Employee Engagement. Now, what does employee engagement mean to you or what excited you about writing this book? Well, let me start out by saying that um, the idea of the book was not mine. 
So my former boss at my last company, he was the founder and CEO of my last company, which was Reward Gateway. And um, he asked me to join him at the company and join him in writing the book because he had read my first book. And it was his idea to write a book which introduced this employee engagement model, which is called the Engagement Bridge. And the whole idea is, um, you know, a model is good, but it's what you do with the model. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea of the book was to push and challenge people like me. So I was sort of the sounding board in the book because Glenn is uh, an entrepreneur. He's a CEO. He's not necessarily an HR practitioner, but he's actually one of the most rebellious HR business leaders I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, So it was a really nice blend because you know, he saw it from the CEO perspective, the entrepreneur perspective, and I saw it from the, um, from the HR perspective. And we used to have a joke when we finished drafting a chapter, if it didn't make Deborah Corey, HR practitioner, a little bit sick to my stomach and nauseous mm. because it, it, cause we didn't push enough. Right. Then we, were, we went back and we were more rebellious. We're like, we really have to get people out of their comfort zone. Even mm-hmm. if they don't do everything that we say, mm-hmm. we want them to take it a little bit further and be more like it sounds like how you are actually. Yes. And you know, it's so funny that you said that one of the, um, the major things that stuck out for me in this book, page 159 to 160. And this is about giving the boots a traditional recognition awards Venables Bellum Partners. So this is the, the case study. And what I really loved about this one was the different ideas that they came up with in terms of reward and recognition and it really made me stop and take a a pause because many times we do focus on long service how long people are working with an organization and we reward the five year and above and we forget about the employees who are making an impact from the moment they enter the organization because they're excited about being in the organization And I really loved the idea that they came up with, which was the golden toilet. (laughs) I love the golden toilet. Do you know, um, since writing the book, I've traveled the world. And I have to admit, that is one of the stories that people love, 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 love the most. And actually, they're such an amazing company. It's a a marketing and PR company in the US. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed them for my next book because they're just so, so rebellious. Mm-hmm. But if I, if I go to your point about long service, um, and in the book, again, we wanted to be really rebellious. And we said that you should get rid of long service. Now yes. I'm an HR person. I don't truly believe that you should get rid of it completely. Right. But we wanted to say that just to shock people. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I want to change it is what you said, you know, if you go back to and you just think about why do you do recognition, it's to make every single employee that you work for feel appreciated. Yes. And I think something like 70, 80% of money on, long ser- or on recognition is spent on long service. So yes. if we are only recognizing 5% of our population, we've mm-hmm. got 95% of our population walking around not feeling appreciated. Exactly. So if instead... You, you still celebrate long service the way you celebrate birthdays, wedding anniversaries, but you shift it and you spend more of your effort and more of your money on day-to-day recognition. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to cost anything. So the, um, 
the people who did the golden toilet, what they did for long service, and I met him at an event and heard him tell me this story. <laughs> they basically, for your long service award, you get this glass boot. And um, he showed me the glass boot. I don't, he doesn't know why the boot, but anyway. Because the boot <laughs> makes it sound like you're getting kicked out of the company. So maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was a joke. But basically yeah. that person, um, to celebrate, they take $1,000 and they put it behind a bar. And you get to pick where you want to go. They put it behind the bar. And the person whose long service it is, is the host for the night. And it's really just an opportunity to celebrate. And that person's responsibility is to really educate all the new people and talk about what it is about the company that have kept them there for 5, 10, 15 years. So I think it's a really creative way mm -hmm. of celebrating it, also inspiring other people and just shifting how you do it. I love it. Yes. Yeah, I love it. I thought it was an amazing, amazing idea. And I'm trying to think of ways that I can implement that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want me to tell the golden toilet story, though? Yes, go on then. Tell it. I didn't want to, I want people to read the book. So I, oh, that's okay. There's, there's other curious. good ones. Am I, am I allowed to swear? It's not a really bad swear word. Go on. Okay. So um, at the same company, it's called Venable Bells and Partners. And um, they have these annual awards. So they recognize people during the year, but they have an annual awards. And they've got all these really fun awards because they're just really fun people. And one of the awards is the Golden Toilet Award, which is for the person who has um, put up with the most shit gracefully. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a that real toilet. I mean, it costs nothing. They paint it gold. But wow. it's like everybody <laughs> wants this award. It's hilarious. I love it. It's just so yes. creative. Yes. I think that that's such a, a cool way to recognize um, employees because they're to be honest, a lot of stuff happens on a day-to-day -day basis and some people put up with more than they should have to. And I yeah. think that that's a really cool way to, to reward employees. The other yeah, thing that, that I really like about this book is how you talk about having a learning culture because I think that people are super disengaged from understanding the importance of creating a learning culture within their organizations. A lot of people have learning and development as an afterthought. A lot of organizations have it as low on a totem pole in terms of investment mm -hmm. within the organization to employees. Tell us a little bit about what a learning culture is so important in an organization. Well, it's really interesting because when we started writing the chapter about learning, Glenn and I looked at each other and we said, Hmm, not sure about this chapter because at our company, we said, you know, right now we've been doing a little bit in learning, but we haven't been doing, you know, tons. And then we went out and spoke to our employees. And what we realized was, although we weren't like having lots of these fancy programs and things like that, we had such a learning culture. And what I mean by that is that we had a group of people where they were, it was part of the culture to be inquisitive. It was the part of the culture to go out and learn things, either um, officially, unofficially, mentoring, non-mentoring. And to us, that was that really that aha moment, which was you can put in, you know, I've been doing this for over 20 years, but sometimes you just have the most basic moments. You can put in the best programs in the world, but if you don't start with having a culture and giving people permission to actually invest their time and energy into learning, it's never, ever 
going to work. So right now, I've left the company now, but they've got some amazing learning technology, learning mm -hmm. programs, but it all started with the culture. And yes. I don't think it would be as awesome as it is now without starting with that culture. Yeah. And I think that um, organizations really need to take this on board because it's super important to help. It's such a quick win. It's such an easy win. And, and it doesn't have to cost anything ginormous. Um, I, at my company, we use Udemy and we also yeah. use AWS. And mm -hmm. I find that Udemy of itself carries a whole gambit of things that you can learn. It covers every person in the organization. Mm -hmm. So everyone can go to that portal and learn something new. But I found also that when it comes to projects within the organization and as an HR department, things that we're looking at, I always say to my team, okay, I'm thinking that maybe we could do this. And let's engage the staff and see what they think about it. If the staff mm -hmm. like it, let's do some research and development and see how we can in implement it. And I have two members on my team who learn completely differently. Yeah. One learns by books, one learns by video. And I've just learned the importance of, which comes to the other point that you just made with regards to making people feel okay to learn and learn in their own way, which comes to my other favorite topic of psychological safety and creating that within organizations. And whenever I send them off to learn something, they always come back and one will say, okay, so I read this article, I read that article. And the other one comes back and she said, I've watched this video and I learned this from this video and I watched this TED talk. But they are both come back with very similar ideas, but they've learned it differently. And people need to be able to feel safe enough to do that. There's so many things on the internet now that are free mm -hmm. that can help our teams to learn without us having to pay the cost. But we have to be able to allow people to feel free to have the ability to create and learn and innovate. And with that then comes the vulnerability that you put yourself out there. But once you do that, it helps create amazing things. So yeah. I, I really appreciate um, your book so much for adding to my repertoire of how I can engage employees. And I encourage you, the audience, please, if you do not have this book, go to Amazon right now, put it in your cart and then press buy. Don't just leave it in the cart, put it in there, press buy. And I promise you, you will not regret purchasing this book, reading this book and investing some time to make some quick, easy wins within your organization by figuring out how you're going to engage your staff, your workforce. It's truly important. Well, you know what? Let me, let, thank you for that. Let me, let me tell you two things about it. First of all, um, all the money goes to charity which I'm, I'm very proud about. So all the money is going to um, a charity which helps organizations that help their employees have a better place to work. So that's amazing. And then the second thing I would say, and, um, and I just I learned so much writing the book, and that's why I'm so proud of it. Because for me, being you know someone who's been doing HR for many, many, many years, I'm always about learning. And every single time you can ask my children, because I did all the interviews for the plays, and there's 60 of these stories or plays. Every single time I got off, my kids had to listen to me go on and on and on about, oh my gosh, that was amazing. I loved what they did. I mean, it just, they were like, mom, could you please stop? Or, oh, she's been on the phone with another play. Let's make sure we're not home when she gets off the phone. But, um, <laughs> 
because like you said at the beginning, I think the great thing about these stories and these plays is it, it takes the theory because half of the book are stories because yeah. we wanted to make sure we had the theories and tips, but then you had examples and it's not like the big name companies. Cause we all know what the big name companies yeah. do. It was, you know, little things and, and all gamuts of being a rebel. Cause mm -hmm. I, you know, I really think it's important to realize that we're not, we can't all be the same size rebel. I had somebody no. who, um, who actually wrote me a really nasty note saying, you know, you say this book is about being a rebel, but this one company, all they did was bring an ice cream truck to their office. It was like, but, but that's rebellious for them. They had never, never done, done that, that before. before. So, you know, even if you just take a baby step, we call it join the revolution. Yes. You know, I a love baby that. step to join the revolution is important. Yes. Yes. Hashtag revolution. I strongly believe that um, no matter what step you take, any step to progress, and, and changing the way that you engage your employees is, is a huge step and can only make you better as an organization. Definitely. And there's lots of other books out there. I mean, it's, um, yeah. we're not the only ones who write about being a rebel. There's lots of other really good books with other stories and other ideas. So yeah, once, once you get the, the, the itch of being a rebel, it, it's fantastic. It just, um, it just sort of opens your mind to thinking and acting differently. Absolutely. So with that being said, Deborah, can you tell me what are some of the biggest, or give me one, let's not do many, but give me one of your biggest pet peeves in terms of how organizations misunderstand HR. Um, gosh, I've got quite a few. Um, <laughs> I think one of the, one of the areas, so the book has, is a, is, talks about the engagement bridge and there's 10 elements so yes. one of the elements of the bridge is communications, mm -hmm. which is what my first book was about, actually. Right. And I think that one of the things that we do in communications, and I, I understand why it happens, I've been in big companies, is we don't always tell our employees the truth. We're either moving too fast, we think we don't have time to tell them the truth, or we don't want to bother them, we want to protect them. And you know, one of my rebellious tips that I always talk about is to... Um, think of communications as a transparency table and think about putting everything out there and only hiding things if you really, really, really have to. Um, and I think that that would make such a difference because trust is based off of communications. And if we can start communicating to our employees as trusted adults, I do think that that would make a huge, huge difference when it comes to engagement. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. I, I agree with that 100%. The other thing I want to ask you is, what is one of the most favorite books that you are, have ever read or are reading right now that you think other HR professionals should be reading? Oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm looking to the side. I've got so many ama amazing, amazing books. And my concern is I don't want to like leave someone out and then hurt their feelings. Um, I'm just going to look at ones that I recently read. Right. So, um, I think that, um, I'm a big fan of Daniel Pink. I think yeah. Daniel Pink is amazing. Um, he wrote a book mm -hmm. called drive. So I'm a rewards person mm -hmm. and it completely disrupted everything I've done in my career. Um, wow. he has, his latest book is called when, which I actually think in this world of, of, um, everybody being in, in um, self-containment and everything like that. Yeah. I think when is really good because it helps you think about when to get work done and things like that. Um, huge fan of, of 
Patty McCord. Yeah. Huge, huge. Yeah. I mean, absolutely love Patty McCord yeah, from, from Netflix. McCord as well. Brene Brown. Love Brene Brown. I've been listening to um, some of her podcasts. I think mm-hmm. that she's absolutely, absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Simon Sinek. Um, yeah. I, I can't, I've got my headphones on her. I would literally walk over to my, my desk. <laughs> but maybe when, when you link this, I will, I will write down some of my favorite books and maybe some that other people might not have heard of because probably some of the ones that I've said, everybody knows those, yeah. but there's some other, you know, un, some, some jewels that I've been reading lately that are just amazing. Awesome. There's some great books out there, definitely. Okay, thank you for that. So as we close, my last and final question to you is, what advice would you give to HR professionals who are trying their best to make things work in their organization, but are hitting roadblocks. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've done talks just on that one point. And um, to me, the biggest lessons that I've learned in my career is to really understand more about the roadblock. So understand why they're actually in your way. So are they in your way because they don't understand the importance of it? Are they in your way because they don't agree with it? Are they in your, I mean, there's so many different ways. And if you really just strip it back and you try to figure out why they don't understand it, then that helps. And the other big thing that I've learned again, the hard way is um, never show up on your own. So when I've gone to boards and I've gotten things approved, I've probably spent two months beforehand getting allies so that when I go to the boardroom, it's not just me, little old Deborah Corey going up against the CEO I've got my whole army of people. Um, my best example is I, I remember going to do something at one of my companies and I, um, I, I said things, I think my presentation was one minute into the presentation and the CEO looked at the rest of the board who were all smiling, going thumbs up and he approved it in a minute. And that was because I understood their motivation and I got people on board. So mm-hmm. don't underestimate, underestimate the importance of doing that before you go for approval. Awesome. And with that being said, what's next for Deborah Corey? Well, I did just see, I'm, I'm very bad about this. I did just write my last book, which is on values mm-hmm. and it's called bringing your values out to play. Yeah. Um, because my ultimate goal is to write a book about um, all, if not some of the elements of the engagement bridge and um, <clears throat> same idea. So half the book are stories and half the book is theories because People keep asking me for more stories yes, and it, yes. it gives, it gives me an excuse to be nosy and it gives me an excuse <laughs> to, I love it. I get to interview people and ask all the questions that we all want to ask. So yeah, yes. it's, I will continue to be nosy. That's in my, my roadmap. What you are is constructively curious. There you go. I like that. I like that. That's what I am. Yeah. <laughs> you are constructively curious and we want you to keep that up so that we can keep benefiting from your amazing books. So with that being said, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today, Deborah. And I know that our audience really benefited from the tips that you've shared with us. Please do send me those books so that I can put them on our LinkedIn page and share with our audience as well. Thank you so much for sounding off with me today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. 
And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again when we next sound off.